Determination, dedication, grit, those are the qualities of the great and relentless few. The Institute of Higher Global Studies is a veteran-owned company that celebrates those who succeeded against the odds. Find out who made the cut and get inspired at the Great and Relentless Few Business and Entrepreneurs Show. Hear their stories and learn what helped them along the way at greatandrelentlessfew.com. Think you're one of the great and relentless few? See if you qualify for an appearance today. Learn more at greatandrelentlessfew.com. Hey, if you haven't seen Great and Relentless, you're missing out. It's the most awesome business interview and brand awareness show I know. Stay tuned for our episode featuring Mohan Ananda. I'm sure you've heard of Stamps.com. That's right, he's the original founder and CEO, and he sold it for an estimated $6.6 billion. So stay tuned. That is an amazing interview, and you don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Great and Relentless Podcast. Former United States Navy Hospital Corpsman. American businesswoman and philanthropist, as featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Telemundo, and the Fox News Channel. And now, your host, Olivia Friedman. And that's my first phase. Uh, in that uh, time, I did a lot of interesting work in the interplanetary navigation, going to various planetary places, some in satellites and things like that. So that's one aspect. Then the, in the Department of Defense work, I was one of the initial architects for a global positioning system. GPS became my, my kind of passion. And I think that's where I contributed extensively. And that's my first phase. The second phase is uh, as a lawyer. I became a lawyer and I started working with companies, providing them corporate governance, you know, bringing capital to them and also intellectual property work. That's the second. And the third phase is being an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur meaning starting number of companies. Well, I think a lot of people assume that because you're so successful, um, that maybe you just started one business and, and all of a sudden you were just uh, suddenly a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. <laughs> Very unrealistic. I mean, it's a, I mean, of course, I started a little late. I mean, my age, in a sense, most people, I would recommend you should do once you graduate from college or whatever your education before really, I mean, it's good to have a few years of experience at some corporate world in a, in a business experience, but then you should start because when you don't have a lot of uh, dependence, people don't depend on you. So that's the time you can take the risk and really go and uh, see whether you are fit to that. And even sometimes uh, it may fail, but that's a great learning experience. So are you telling me, Mohan, that uh, some of your businesses actually failed? I don't believe it. Oh, yeah, there are a number of them. <laughs> a number of them didn't do well, <laughs> that well. Yes. But it's a good learning experience. Some of them didn't go very well. Some of them did fairly well. So that's the uh, that's kind of a three three stage of work. Think about Pasadena, California, or the California Institute of Technology. I think I'd heard you vaguely mention that, and I never got the opportunity again until now. 
uh, to ask you what it was that you mentioned about because I know you've attended there. And uh, also, if you give us some insight, I have uh, mentees uh, around the, the globe, around the world, uh, and the idea is to reach uh, a million of them um, and to help um, help them shape their businesses, very, very small businesses, small to medium size. Um, and the goal is a million before I leave this planet. Uh, so if you could give me some insight into uh, California Institute of Technology out of Pasadena, uh, as well as the importance uh, or lack thereof, uh, working in corporate America, uh, when you're an entrepreneur, are there benefits or are there not? Uh, as an entrepreneur looking to uh, create their own, you know, create their own business, you know, some sort of startup. What do you say to that? One of the best schools in the world, in my opinion. Working for a corporate world and working with the big companies, the experience is very, very limited. Whereas if you start something yourself, you have to wear different hats. You have to run the company, you have to manage it financially, you have to find the customer, you have to, you know, all kind of uh, activities, you have to be always involved, even though you may have a team to support you, but you have to be on board everywhere. So that's a, a, an excellent experience, learning experience. Had similar conversations with um, uh, primarily uh, African entrepreneurs, um, Egypt and some other parts of Africa and or other countries in Africa. And so, you know, it's very interesting, their perspective, because, you know, in, in some countries um, like Nigeria and then Egypt as well, the the pressure, uh, and of course in India as well, you know this better than I do, uh, the pressure that is placed on uh, young people uh, to become doctors, lawyers, um, you know, different types of uh, practitioners or, you know, very well-paid dentists and so on and so forth. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on them to perform. And so uh, I have this conversation with them a lot about the importance of learning the lessons along the way after failure to understand why you failed and how to avoid it next time and maybe double up and triple back and, and, and you know, earn, have your uh, revenue, your earnings. Uh, to meet the goal or you want it to be at that any given time thereafter a failure or, you know, several failures, as you've mentioned. And uh, you also mentioned that that's just a part of, of, you know, doing business. It's a part of, you know, it's just how it goes. Um, so, yes, but a lot of them uh, are really, really disappointed. And so uh, is there any type of um, technique that you suggest in making sure that they don't repeat the same mistakes over again? You know, maybe how to identify them or some sort of uh, metric, you know, rubric to go by or something like that, uh, a way to measure their success and to be able to uh, pretty much scale it. Uh, are there any techniques that you have uh, or any ways that you try to, you know, that you motivate yourself after a failure with something that you really want to work? and you put your all into it, that just can't be a good thing. Give us some insight on those topics. Okay. I have taken, uh, you know, it actually now four companies public. The first three are the conventional uh, IPO, you know, like in stamps.com, investnet, or, you know, jab in New London Stock Exchange. So those are typical public offering, meaning you have to have a, 
a full financial record. You have to have a top line, you have to have a bottom line, and you need to have a, a good management team. But then you have to go and convince the investors, look, we, we have a good potential growth opportunity and do it. So those three companies, I took one in NASDAQ, one in New York Stock Exchange, one in London Stock Exchange. And those are really like, you know, you go with, uh, come up with an investment banker and investment banker kind of guides you. And then you have to have a roadshow, talk to various investment. I mean, th those roadshow was real roadshow. You fly to Chicago, fly to New York, fly to Boston or fly to Miami or even fly to London. I mean, various places. So it takes some time and convince them. And then it goes into an IPO. The fourth one is the, the special purpose acquisition company, which I just took public about six months back. That's a SPAC, which does not really have a, a real company. It's more of a blank check. There, it so happened that because of pandemic, we did not have a real roadshow. We didn't go anywhere. We were doing it in Zoom, starting at six o'clock my time. And by three o'clock my time, everything was done. And we went for, actually our original capital requirement was to, but we had almost a billion dollar commitment so we, we could pick and choose and we got i mean there is a, what you call the overall allotment which is 15 percent so we go in and, and then raise 230 million so that's a it's a little different from the typical ipo because spac does not have any company information because what you're going to do or what one should do after the capital is raised you talk to different target companies and find the right one and then combine them so that's the what i'm currently involved in in the, the fourth one. Okay, got it. So tell us about stamps.com. We I've always said that success leaves clues and there's also some anomalies like what the journey was like getting there and if there were any anomalies or you know any clues that your success left. Success clue is you have to be persistent. You have to think you can do it and you need to have that vision and the destination and then you have to design the roadmap to reach there and be ready to do it. Like the, the little engine says, I can do it, I can do it. So you have to do that. But this particular one was very, very, very difficult. The reason being the, the success of stamps.com would not happen if the United States Postal Service says no. It's a binary. So that is a very, very strange way in starting any business because somebody can, yeah, like if, even if you're developing a drug, if you're developing a drug, the FDA or Federal Drug Agency, they have to approve, but they've been approving it many times. A lot of drugs don't get approved, but they do approve. That's how all the drugs are coming. Whereas USPS, has not approved anything for 100 years. So that was a very, very tough. So when we went and tried to get some capital from the venture firms, they liked the idea, but they said it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare to go and get anything from USPS. So they, they were not very eager to take the risk. I said, if you get something, we will talk. Otherwise, just go and So that was the first major hurdle. So we did not have the luxury of really, you know, going through the USPS that much, but we persisted, but they gave us an opportunity to pitch them. And they actually, it so happened our pitch date was on a Friday evening, four o'clock, meaning 
everybody in Washington, D.C., their time to go home. But they, they did listen to us. It took a you know, very you know, long conversation. And finally, they said, okay, we'll get somebody. Uh, from what is in the university to see whether you are, because it's uh, our proposal is printing stamps is like printing money. So which means uh, you can't, you know, you cannot, you need a security because if somebody prints money and you don't know who prints and who uses, then there is no. So that was the, their concern, really a good concern. So, but we had, they re retained a, a professor and uh, to do all the, due diligence and make sure the technology is correct and it's you know it does but the fact that they they re were ready to hire somebody and do the due diligence felt me pretty good so then we went through it we finally got the approval so that's how it happened so thank you so much for that mohan and you know i wanted to talk about just for a second um timing uh and the usps form 1583 yeah it's very 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 interesting too because i started in 1996 but in order to get the technology i applied for the patent in 1992 so it took four years to get the patent but in 1992 when i applied the internet was uh, in an embryonic state very primitive did not have uh, any bandwidth any but i knew somehow or other i felt the, the the digital technology is the future i mean which is true so you but you have to start seeing that that future early enough i mean it's and then of course you have to take advantage of it and make the investment the early enough then you can you can you know you can, like working with usps is a even today today you try to get something it's a big Chinese wall. I mean, to cross that is a is extremely difficult. You you personally now know how how difficult it was. So it is very very true. That's the. I mean that that does not mean you shouldn't try, but you you have to be persistent. You have to be very very. Uh, I mean, patient and persistent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. I, I totally agree. Um, I because of the experiences that I had uh, Mohan back in the days, I had so many inventions. And then when you see them come out, you know, people told me silly things. Oh, if you do something like that, the DVDs are going to get crunched in the mail. Uh, the games are going to get they're going to melt in the mailbox. Uh, why would you put a red box out there with the movies in it? It was actually blue. Uh, <laughs> was the original concept and. Um, you know, they're like, they're going to take the whole box. I'm like. <laughs> but the Netflix know. started Netflix started with mailing DVDs to their homes. Because at exactly. the time. But Netflix actually, you know, we started a company, by the way. I, it is in my book. Uh, it's called Amazing Hits. Amazing right. Hits is a very, uh, it's a few years ahead of time. Because the people did not want to sell uh Give me, I mean, I wanted to sell one one song at a time online. And uh, the, the, I went to, you know, Warner Brothers. I went to Universal. I mean, every big studios. They they liked my idea, but they said, because they were selling record, the, the album. Album had about 14 songs. The 12 were junk, two good ones. Because of the two good ones, they get money for the whole 14. But he, here, if I sell it one by one, only the two will go. So they were very reluctant to part that. But eventually, of course, 
two years later, um, I, I, you know, I couldn't sustain, so we folded. But uh, uh, Apple, uh, Steve Jobs came and convinced iTunes, and they got it. I mean, now of course, now iTunes. Now every studio has the everything is streaming now. There is no real. You know the old uh, the DVD is gone. Any any kind of a stored information is all gone now. It's all. I mean, you can download it and keep it with you, but it is all directly coming through the the internet. So, but that I saw it, but it was not there. But I failed. So amazing hits didn't make it. But uh, it's it's uh, that's how life is sometimes. You know, and then especially the first one, the first guy who goes and he paves the place. He's like, a, you know, going, but the second guy comes, he can easily go <laughs> move on. That's how it happens. The first guy always has a tough situation, but if you're persistent, it's fine. For example, uh, Amazon, when they started the cloud, Amazon Web Services, they are the first and, and nobody came for two years. Uh, so they just sustained, they, of course, there are others now, you know, of course, the Microsoft as you know, there are other many companies, but still AWS becomes pretty dominant. And uh, but the, they saw it coming. I mean, as an example, so you once you see it, you should be persistent and go after it and see whether you can go forward. But you need to have the ability to sustain. So capital, you know, is the sometimes that becomes a problem. So I, and a lot that you're saying is makes so much uh, sense. And so that brings me to uh, it's a really good segue because you mentioned that, you know, even the major guys weren't interested in just you know, so many at a time, like a couple. Uh, that's an interesting concept. And then I ask you after this, um, do you have any techniques or anything uh, for entrepreneurs or focus or anything, you know, what you sort of do to, you know, get the creative juices flowing? Because I have what I call the Friedman technique. It's for uh, razor sharp focus. When you need to get something done, um, just, you know, certain amounts of, you know, time, like 10 minutes at a time, but you do it and you take a three minute break or a five minute break and you get it again, you know, and do it maybe four times. And someone told me there's a similar uh, technique out there, but what's interesting is what I got out of it. What I discovered when I came out of my focus was something very amazing. And that's why I started calling it the Friedman technique. And I discovered that because, and it was so profound, pre-licensed sign up right? You're interested in this <laughs> because the timing thing, right? Because if the timing is not right for your invention, it's not that it wasn't a great invention. You may have even gotten the financial support. And if it bombs, maybe it just wasn't time, like the Netflix concept, uh, the blue box concept, which is now red box, uh, the game fly. Um, and so I just wanted to know what you think about that. If you have any techniques that you use for focus and have you gotten anything really, really cool out of it? that maybe entrepreneurs uh, can use, especially during these crazy COVID times. Oh, thanks a lot. That's a very, very interesting problem. But let me, the way I do, I do get uh, this uh, same multi-personalities in the sense, many ideas at the same time. Okay, you want to go this way or that way or that thing. I mean, there are, you know, that's just a human nature. However, the way I do, I believe personally that you cannot do anything by yourself, just alone. You, for everything you need a team, meaning maybe team may not be 
10 people, it could be just two. Just somebody who could be an added element because you cannot really think on a, every aspect of, especially a business. So it would be nice if you can bring the team together, meaning that's a, that's a key part. Uh, in fact, in any, any business, there are three elements, the team, the people, the product or the service, capital. Those are the three ingredients, extremely important. So when you have a multiple ideas and you want to go into multiple direction, and if you just uh, do it in casual way, there is a high probability none of them will succeed. However, I, when I am working on a one project, I want to be in focus. In focus meaning that team should, or whoever that working with should be just dedicated to that project. But you can have another team. You can be a mentor or a guy on another team who is dedicated to that one. So if you can you know, make it multiple dedicated efforts, because if, if you are just uh, uh, not focusing, then the success is, uh, is very hard. And also uh, having a financial support will be very difficult because so you the approach i would do but you create like if you have 10 ideas pick the three good ideas then create three different groups you get somebody but those other people should be just dedicated to that one so you can't have everybody involved in every idea then i think of course you need to go and uh, have a, a two type of uh, milestones the near-term planning and a long-term planning. The near-term planning is more key events, milestones. By such and such, you need to have this done. By such and such, you need to have. In the long-term planning, you need to have a long-term vision. This is what I want to reach. This is what I want to reach. For example, when I started stamps.com, I said, okay, we have to first get the, the technology approved. That's the, the, the near-term. But the long term is, I want, you know, they were, uh, uh, this USPS had about $75 billion postage revenue. And I want to have at least $20 billion postage revenue. I mean, out of which, which we did. I mean, we really did. So what I meant is the long term will be very, very, you know, there is a, I mean, it has to be realistic, but still it should be pretty big. But in the near term, it has to be almost like a coming up with a MVP, very focused, and you know you <laughs> first get first customer. <laughs> as an example, I need attraction. I mean things of that type. So you need to have that uh, in place before you start the whole journey. The journey is going to be very complicated, and sometimes you will have to navigate and change. But you need to have a, a, a initial roadmap. I totally agree. Anything that worked in the past and a couple things that did, uh, when I finally, I, you know, I, I might focus. It's interesting. You talk about the long term and knowing where you want to go. I told myself and my friends, I just want to make, you know, close to a million. Guess what? It was close to a million. <laughs> Never broke the barrier. So think big enough. Uh, of course, it's realistic is what I'm hearing you say. And and make sure you're not just throwing random things around, you know, at the board. 
but also uh, to make sure that you have a team for whichever effort that you're working on right now. I think that's vital uh, because I was remembering, uh, you know, putting the board together and, and, you know, things of that nature, Who, who's going to be the chief, you know, go-to person for this, the technical person, you know, the graphics person, you know, are we, do we have a professional image, you know, and it's just so many different moving parts. So, um, but I found um, a different type of business model, like the business model, the canvas, right? And a lot of people know about the canvas to help you get your thoughts in order and look at what you really have, see if you really have something, you know, check interest in the trade, you know, and I would get with them because of course you have to have those type of mentors sort of, you know, giving you a glimpse, but one thing uh, or some other area that's really similar to my area, wherever I am, where I'm working and to see what they're doing, if they're a little bit more advanced, like about five, 10 years, what it does is it gives me a glimpse of what's coming to our area. And that was one of the little things that I have been doing. Like, how do you figure this stuff out? How could you ever think to start this service like five years ago? Like, oh, you know, just entrepreneur <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the two steps, what you just said, uh, one is you think big, but then do in a simple way. So it's, it's a combination. It may look like paradoxical, but you have to have a big vision, think big. But then if you take the steps, it has to be simplified. If you make it complicated and complex, then you cannot move. So that's a, that trade-off has to be very clear. And especially when you communicate to somebody else, you have to simplify to the extent it's really understood. Okay, that's for sure. So tell us a little bit more about your book. I love the cover, by the way, and there's just, there's so much to you. It's hard to simplify. Okay, let me, this is the book. I just want to show you the book. The, yeah, the book actually, there is, there were, I was not really planning to write the book. I mean, because I didn't have the the luxury of time because I used to travel a lot. I mean, you know, you can always write, but I, it's always get postponed. That's what happens. But in the, the pandemic, one of the good things happened the two years is because I couldn't travel. I didn't travel. I took the time to write the book. I, I just, that that's a positive aspect of the pandemic. I had three goals in uh, when I wrote the book. One, I want to create a legacy for my children my grandchildren or you know lineage to come about my roots what i did when i was young because they you know we came from india my kids are born here we, we do travel to india and all but still it's only going for a vacations like a tourist traveling but so i just want to have some documented thing for them to to appreciate so that's the objective one the second objective is uh, Young people, the young people, you know, would, I mean, not like I would be a role model per se, at least it will be something for them to see how my journey, what are the troubles I went through, how it is hard to achieve, actually to show the real American dream. And I can say that I went through all the, the pluses and negative, walking through various roads. And uh, so that gives a, a some kind of things for them, what to do, as well as what not to do. So that's something, that is the second objective. And the third objective is primarily for business people, because business person has a little different, they have a, I mean, you know, how, how will you do it? What are the, the, the hardships? And what, how do you 
get the right contact. In fact, there is a, a, a statement, it is not what it accounts to your net worth, it is what network you have, meaning how you, you know, get to the people and how you take uh, advantage of people, leverage them, not advantage, meaning not negatively. That's uh, you, if you have met somebody, even casually, but sometimes even the casual meeting, they may know somebody who is very valuable. So you can connect that. So, I mean, that, that kind of a the roadmap, I, I wouldn't say recipe, but it is a, it's something they can kind of look at it and learn from it. And so that was my, that's a three objectives. I think I have accomplished that, but you know, you, you can always improve on it, but that's the purpose of that book. Okay, awesome. I um I was looking through your uh, one sheet or the, the kit that had to say uh, about the book, um, autobiography of an immigrant. I always think it's such a wonderful thing because I, I feel like personally a lot of Americans um I don't they're kind of privileged. They don't realize uh, how people came to this country. Some people come with nothing and build entire empires, and I've just really uh, been impressed by that since a child. You know, my entire life I just watched like wow, look at he became. And as an African-American woman, you know, as a child, and it gave me hope uh, that I could do great things as well. And so uh, one of the testimonials says, excellent summary of hard work and persistence to achieve the American dream. Uh, great book, inspirational. I love that one by Raj. And also speaking of Netflix, <laughs> now you know what question's coming after this. Okay, we're thinking documentary. So I I'm gonna read this. <laughs> Touching, informative, inspirational. It's like watching a Netflix series while reading Mohan's memoir. It's packed with significant historical events uh, as experienced by the author himself. By Mohan's courage in taking risks, science, family, American and Indian culture, and most of all, this book will evoke uh, in you a rejuvenated sense of the American dream. And I think you as an individual uh, have definitely done that for me. Uh, and. Uh, want to thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And uh, can you tell us how we can get in contact with you? I see you have linkedin.com slash IN. Yeah. Uh, that's India Nancy. Um, and then slash Mohan, M-O-H-A-N-A-N-A-N-D-A. -A -A so what other ways can we contact you? Okay, there are two. two. I People can certainly use my uh, email. My email is very easy. My full name, Mohan Ananda, one word, at gmail.com. And uh, they, they can send, yeah, any, any email, and if they want to have a conversation, send it to me. I'll happy to arrange a, a call or a Zoom, and we can have a, a, a discussion. No, no question about it. It's a, it's a, a privilege to talk to you. It's a, I hope we can uh, meet in person. Where are you located, by the way? You are, you are in? I'm actually in Huntsville, Alabama, Mohan, between here and Atlanta, Georgia. Um, everyone, if you're just coming on to the show, uh, because we're going to post this uh, like within the next eight weeks, but we have some people that are able to sort of peek in live because they may want to give you some offers uh, for other notoriety, what have you. Um, so uh, this is Dr. Uh, Mohan Ananda. He is the chairman and CEO of Innovative International Acquisition Corp. Um, just an amazing person. Uh, he created stamps.com and sold it. How awesome is that? Um, 
And so uh, I've received a couple uh, questions here, like, uh, have you ever appeared in Forbes before? I'm sure you have. They've got you on a list because of your wealth, if nothing else. <laughs> I have I have not had any personal appearances. There has been some references to my name. In, in, uh, other than that, no, answer is no. But before I say something, I want to, since you said you are in Huntsville, I'm very close to Huntsville, Alabama, in some way, way. because my son, uh, I, my older son, who is a neurosurgeon, he married a girl from not far from Huntsville, Alabama. So that's a very close. We have been to many times. So I just want to just let you know that. Well, that's really awesome because uh, I was a hospital corpsman in the U.S. Navy. So I, you know, there's this big thing they call us doc because, you know, Everyone has this rumor that the docs, the Navy doctors just play golf all day and we did all the work. So <laughs> I would admit to that if I uh, will have. You. Um, so, yeah, you never know. But we did want to uh, mention to you that uh, I think it's a Adria, Andrea. Oh, Adria. Uh, she uh, does print publication and digital. And she wanted to offer you uh, something to do with Forbes. I think it's for print publication. Uh, uh, I'll get that information from her and I will send it to you. And there's a couple other things that are here. So she wanted to know, have you been in Forbes? Because she feels like, you know, you and your brand, you know, already owned a place there. And uh, it's it's interesting. She shows up and I guess she's done her homework. Oh. Maybe she didn't see you there. She can find your name that's affiliated with it. So apparently <laughs> she can do that for you. Um I, I, but I know you had to have been on their list before. They have um, they have wealthiest millionaires, and then they have a lot of other you know billionaires and that. So uh, I'm pretty sure your name is there somewhere. But I think she's speaking of something exclusive, uh, something where you can have your own page, so to speak. And well, one of the issues. Thank you very much. Positive yeah. words for mankind or something. We probably need it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's a, it's a privilege, and uh, hopefully we can have a, a, a interesting dialogue again, and in the future. Uh, maybe even if you ever come down to Los Angeles, we get together. I have uh, I have some NFL players that are on Adria's uh, roster because they were just getting all my people. <laughs> She's getting all the famous people like you and the NFL players. So. Well, that's the end of this episode. Until next time.